Welcome to Offstage with Jordan Baylor, where you'll discover the stories behind the movers and shakers in the entertainment and business world. Now here's your host, Jordan Baylor. Welcome to another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. Have you ever wondered how radio jockeys came to be? Like, who was the first person to hop on a mic and entertain the masses? These are like random things I think of often. This week's episode, I spoke with Charles Matthews, a professional radio DJ, and we went in on how his career started, the importance of exposure, and avoiding the fear within. There's a, a really important part of our interview where we touched on fear and what you get when you believe in yourself, what you get when you buy in on yourself and you pull out of the fear. You start believing in the power of you and not the power of outward circumstances. So if you are dealing with a similar situation, I really hope you get a tactic and you hold steadfast for facing your fears. Because honestly, the only way out is through. I honestly believe that to the bottom of my core. The only way out of fear is just to simply turn around and face it. Do not avoid it. Face it. If it's your taxes, go to a tax man and just power through. Whatever your fear is, it could be something small, it could be something huge. Just face it. It's not as bad as it is in your head. This is an inspiring interview for anyone hoping to take their business to the next level as well. Staying fluid during COVID and so much more. This episode goes deep. So it is my pleasure to bring to you my interview with Charles Matthews. Hi, welcome to another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. I have on the line creator and founder of CMJ Entertainment. They specialize in breathing life into your live event. He is the master of ceremonies and the host of the Charles Matthews Show. I have Charles Matthews. How are you doing today, sir? Jordan, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. You know, we've been talking behind stage already, and it's just, you know, it's going to be fire. I can't wait. Shoot, let's go. Let's shoot this off. <laughs> all right. So I like to start off every interview. I like to ask, who is Charles Matthews? Well, Charles Matthews is a man from Canada, Toronto, a man that, you know, just wanted to have some fun. I, I started my business when I was at the age of nine. Uh, I was I was a Michael Jackson impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? You just turned it into like money. I want to get paid for this. <laughs> I was dancing in the mirror for free, man. Like, <laughs> I had the glove. I had some socks. I had everything. And it just, you know what it is? I just love being in front of a camera. I love being in front of people. Mm-hmm. And it just kept going. So I did like, I started doing dancing. Then I went into break dancing. Then I went into like um, fashion shows. Then I was a model for a couple of years. Then I went into music videos. And then I just, it just kept growing. And then one day I was like, yo, I, I think I could do this myself. You know what I mean? I think I, think I know I've, I've been into every industry there is. I think I can do this myself. So in 2007, I opened up my own company. And then that's where we are here today. Man. So you said you've been basically entertaining your whole life. Listen, if it's if it if it has some type of entertainment, I mean like anywhere from weddings, concerts, TV shows, you name something with entertainment in it, I've probably done it. Wow. So you have a lot of time in front of the mic. Did you did you ever have a fear of public speaking? Oh, hell to the yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So this is what it is. I always give this guy the most props. Uh, this guy's name was Richard Banton. 
So I was working a part-time job that I thought was going to be a part-time job. And he's in there. And then, you know, when you just hear someone's voice mm-hmm. and I heard his voice, I said, I know you. And he's like, you know, you don't know me. I said, but I know you. He said, no, you don't know me. And I said, I heard the voice. I'm like, yo, you're from the radio. He's like, yeah, that's me. And then we just clicked. And he said, listen, I have a show tonight. How about you come to the studio? So I went up to the studio and I was like, I was like a deer in headlights. I was looking at the buttons. I was looking at all the things. And he was so smooth on the radio. And he's like, oh, my co-host ain't here yet. The phones are ringing. He goes, can you answer the phone? So I said, sure, no problem. I'll answer the phones. I'm writing down all the information. People are calling in. And then he he comes back on air and he's like, yeah, we're back. And we have some people that called in and he goes, "Uh, Chuck's going to answer the phones. And he flipped the switch and I'm right in front of the mic and he's staring at me. (laughs) So I was like, uh, right then and there, it's either I don't say nothing and it's dead air or or I say something. So I took a chance. I started talking. Trust me, it was the most awkwardest thing you will ever hear coming out. (laughs) It didn't sound smooth. It sounded choppy. It didn't even sound good. But I did it. And then he's like, oh, did you have fun? He's like, yeah, he's okay. Okay, come back next week. And I just kept going back. And I kept going back. And then he gave me more airtime. And he kept giving me more airtime and more airtime. And about after six months, I was walking in the street. And then I got what I gave him. Someone heard me speak and they go, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> what? How old were you then? 19 years old. Wow. So in your mind, you weren't even kind of headed down this, this I path of radio. I wasn't even heading that path. Like I was in a, I was doing a, a different job, different thing. I wasn't even in that path. And then afterwards, he knew that I used to model and stuff. Mm-hmm. So on the radio, he gave me the name Chuck the Model. So he would come on air and go, yo, all right, it's me today. And Chuck the Model's on the air with me. Give us a call. And then my line was, I always had to read off the name of the company and the phone number. But he's like, no, you got to do it. Remember, you're on the radio. You got to give it hype. You got to give it motion. Oh, you got to give it sauce. You got to give it sauce. In the beginning, I was like, oh, it's uh, 416-65. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, give it something. So I was like, okay, I was thinking about it, thinking about it. He's like, okay, I got it. He goes, all right, you're on. He's like, yo, you're listening to 105.5 CHRY. Me, my boy, this is Chuck D'Amato. Give us a call. 416-736-5656. You're listening to the Beat FM. Let's go. Wow. And then from there, it was just like, I said, I could do this. You know, when the light bulb comes on and you're like, I I could, I think I could do this. So another five years go by. And then my friend goes, you know, you've done a lot of industry stuff. Why don't you just open up a company? Mm. And I'm like, no, that's not happening. (laughs) He's like, trust me. He goes, start something. So I said, all right. He goes, here, I'll give you some money. And I got to shout out Nick Alampi for that. He goes, here, let's start it off. And I did it. Next year, you know. Since my company's been open since 2007 to this date right now. So, you, so I got a question. Yep. I love that entire story. Why did you have that knee jerk reaction when uh, your friend asked you to start the company? Fear. Straight up fear. You know, I mean, when someone says start your own company, mm-hmm. you know, the pressure of failing, the pressure of not doing well, not knowing what you have to do. Um, I just wasn't down for it. I've never thought about of myself as an entrepreneur, as you know, to go do my own thing. So when he said, open up your own company, I was like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I'd rather just sit back and let someone pay me. Mm. How'd you push through it? It, it, it was, he just said, if you fail, you fail. He goes, try it. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, what do I really have to lose? So I used to talk to um, the one person I used to ask my questions to was my grandmother. 
And I used to ask her everything, you know, like just ask her. And she's like, she's like, um, she used to say some old Jamaican weird sayings. <laughs> you know what I mean? She used to talk to you and then you'd, you'd walk away and go, did she really answer my question? <laughs> Don't ask her something. But th- and then you, you would sit there two days later and go, oh, I get what she was trying to tell me. Yeah. I get it. She's, and it's like, oh, you know something? She's right. What I got to lose. So I registered it, did it, registered it. And then I said, okay, then start off slowly. And then the one thing is like, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So how am I going to start this thing? So like what me and you were talking about, I went and asked. I just went and started asking questions left, right, and center. Oh, how do you do this? Oh, how do you do this? Oh, I'm thinking about doing this. I must have asked about a hundred people about every part of the industry, every part. And then I wrote down all my years of experience from dancing as Michael, doing shows, doing fashion shows and hair shows and wrote it all down and looked at it and said, okay, what does our industry need? What's missing from our industry where I can come in and be different, where people will hire me? Because there's so many burgers out there. What makes McDonald's burger different than Burger King's burger? Mm. Maybe nobody likes those. People like Harvey's. Why? You know, each person will tell you what they like about their own burger place. But guess what? It's all burgers. Yeah. It's still burgers. And every burger company has their own audience. There's enough, there's enough. for everybody. That, there's you enough. know, everybody always has that scarcity mindset, but there's enough for everybody. It's enough to go around. They're 100%. So that's what I did. I just started. But I'll be honest with you. It is straight up fear. To start your own thing, it is scary. But once you do it, oh man, it's it's like nothing. You get that first client, oh man, <laughs> you like you look up in the sky. He's like the pearly gates open and the big light comes down on you. You, you really do hear the harps. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven is real. Heaven is real. Listen, the person gave me my deposit, and all I heard was ah. <laughs> you heard it. You know what I mean. I love it. I love it, man. So when you first started your um, live business, your live event business, what was your focus? Was it, you know, being a DJ? Was it being the master of ceremonies, hosting the wedding? Like what was you know what it? It was, it, it came down to, I put the two niches together. So like, like I told you before, when people are like, oh, I, I know that voice. I said, wait a minute, the voice. Why don't I use the voice? So I started going out as master of ceremonies, MC mm. work. I said, "Hey, you know," and then I started slowly putting it on the radio. Oh yeah, I was. And then my, my my partner Richard, he would say, "Oh, so what you do this weekend?" Oh, I emceed a, a great show last weekend. Blah blah blah. And people would hear, "Oh, he's doing MC work," mm-hmm. and then you're spitting that out. And then you keep spitting that out. And then eventually, the phone started ringing. Hey, you're from the radio station. We're getting married. Do you mind doing our wedding? And I'm like, "Sure, no problem." But then again, the fear comes out because you don't know what you're worth yet. Ah. And that's the problem that a lot of us have. We don't know our worth. Okay. So instead of me giving a good, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for like next to nothing. Cause I just want to, I just want to get them underneath my belt. Yeah. I understand. You know what I mean? I'm, I want to get them underneath my belt. If you mess it up, you're like, ah, oh, you didn't even pay that much. Whatever. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely correct yeah. you, know I mean? you get what you pay for you know <laughs> come on now you know it's one pizza slice come on exactly. i threw it 
you know what I mean? You got to pop in the dipping sauce for free. So what are you, what are you, what are you, crying, about? What are you really crying about? <laughs> I love it. So that's what it is. But then as you go on, you realize I got something here. Man, that was like really inspiring. Um, I, I, I kind of want to pivot and talk about your your show, the, excuse me, the Charles Matthews show. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the journey on how that came to be. So again, here's a funny thing I want to tell your listeners. Mm-hmm. If you really sit back and look at your life and look at what you're doing, you realize that everything actually ties in together. So I was talking to another gentleman, and he says like people don't realize that when you cast the first stone in a water. It makes waves and the waves trickle to some other wave and then that will continue something else. Everything you do makes a wave. So I thought to myself, what do I love doing? Well, I love being on the mic. And then this whole thing about podcasting came out and I got interested and I got interested and I started doing my research online, YouTube and all that stuff. So I decided to put out my own show. The only thing is it took me a year and a half to put it out. Oh, really? Just scared. You kept getting in your own way? I kept getting in my own way again. Yeah, I can't lie. It took me about six months to do my show. So I can, I can agree with that. I got scared. I'm like, oh, why am I doing my own show? I used to be on the radio where people just tune in automatic. Now I got to do my own show and get listeners for myself. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't know my own worth. I'm like, wait a minute. It took me a while to realize, I go, yo, dude, you MC in front of 10,000 people. What's you afraid about? <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not hard. You do what you do. The mic's not, it's not like it's the first time in front of your mic. So just do it. So I said, you know something? I'm going to set my goal on my birthday. I'm going to launch my first show. And that's what I did. So two years ago, I launched it on my birthday. It was rocky. (laughs) It was rocky because I like that you put a deadline on your goal, though. Because that makes it real when you put a deadline on it, like the birthday. You're like, on my birthday, we're having a show. I don't care if I'm doing it on my phone mic. I don't care if I'm doing it in a paper cup. We are launching a show. You got to put something out. Yeah. You got to put something out. Because at the end of the day, you can say to somebody, yeah, I tried it. Well, where is it? Well, go here and you'll hear it. Mm-hmm. You at least have to say, I tried it. Yeah. So I put it out. And then I tweaked it and you, you'll learn like every time you, you do a show, you learn and you tweak it because you learn more things and you, you change things up. And I can actually say over a hundred interview shows later, I'm still doing it. Mm. I think that's like the number to hit a hundred of anything to see if you actually like it. Like after doing it a hundred times and you've tweaked yeah. it and tweaked it and tweaked it, like you should have pretty good product. And you know something? You hit it right on the nose. Don't give up until you get at least 100 underneath your belt. The demographic of people that start something and finish is so low because they quit. And when they get to the frustration and and the hard times, they quit. And if they knew, if they just kept going a little bit more and a little bit more and get to the 100, they'll realize all the tweaks they have to get before they can really smooth it out. So you hit it right on the nose. Get to 100. I don't care if it's 100 gigs, uh, 100 clients or whatever. Get to that magic number. Get to the 100. And after you get to the 100, you can say, man, I'm, I'm terrible at this. This is dumb. <laughs> 100 interviews to figure out I was trash the yeah, whole time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> get, it, get it in there. Get it in get there. It yep. It's like free throws, man. I love it. I love it. So when you when you make a mix, like, is it? Is it what you enjoy or do you get enjoyment from the crowd's reaction or, you know, 
It's, you know what it is? It's okay. So I do mostly MC work, mm-hmm. right? So my DJs are there and we're doing what the, the joy I get is when my DJ and myself, when we work together. Oh, y'all are a team. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we do teamwork. Or even if I go out to MC myself, mm-hmm. okay. What I love is that I can get Granny, who is like 96, mm-hmm. and the little niece, which is six, both laughing and on the dance floor together. That's when, I, that's when I know I, I hit it big because it, I hit all genres. Everybody that's in the room is enjoying themselves. Yeah. I've done that proper work. Like I'm a type of MC that don't care. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you that right now. If you're listening and you need an MC, make sure when you hire me, you're getting something that's different. One, I don't stand behind the podium. I, I, I just, I hate podiums. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't have paper in my hand. I memorize everything. So the script and everything goes into my head. I memorize it to be free. And then number three, man, you better tell people to look out because I'm coming straight into the audience. Mm. You know what I mean? I want to sit on, I want to sit on auntie's lap. You know, I'll, I'll take up grandma. Me and grandma will do the two-step right on the dance floor. You want to bring the energy to them. I want to bring, I want to see that. When I see that everybody's enjoying themselves and, and laughing and just having a great time, boom, I know I hit it. So, like, what were you doing to, like, cut your teeth to get, like, really good to where you have your own, you know, style where you can memorize it, where you can go into the audience and mess with granny and all this stuff? Like, I know you didn't come out of the gate with all this confidence. Like, how did you do this? Okay, so let's let's backtrack a little bit. I'll tell you a little deep secret about myself. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I had a learning dis- disability. Okay, so what I thought was a learning disability, because like I can tell you right now, I'm way older than you, right? And back in my days, they didn't know where to put the students. They didn't know how to test them properly. Mm-hmm. So they just thought, oh, you had a disability. They just put you in this class. So for years, I was like a shy kid. I didn't do anything. You know what I mean? I was like, I started dancing because dancing was my outlet. Mm. And it wasn't until this one teacher, uh, Mr. Livingston, he looked at me and says, there's nothing wrong with you. I think, I think, you know, let's sit down together and figure out what is the problem. And then what I realized is I didn't really have a disability. My brain just learned different things faster. So for example, if you read a book in a chapter, Mm-hmm. you can think of the whole thing. If I read a book and, and put the book down, I don't remember one thing in that whole book. Not, oh, really? not one thing. You could have read the book five times and I still won't remember what you, what you read. But if you put something on a screen, I can watch 10 movies and then repeat the whole entire movie back to you. So oh. he, he oh, you're a visual learner. Straight up. But back then, they didn't know what visual learner and thing learner was. They just thought, oh, you know what I mean? I would look at paper and didn't understand what the paper was saying. Everything had to be written on the board. Numbers was my thing. You know, he could write out, you could tell me 10 numbers and I could add all those 10 numbers straight in my head and throw it back out. So what I realized is that, okay, I had to take that talent that I had of of my learning style Mm -hmm. and put it into my business. So now, like I said, remember... I don't remember anything written. So I used to take my work, throw it up on a computer screen, let it scroll on a prompter and memorize the whole thing. Then I used to seek her weapon, huh? Yeah. Then I said, remember the people. Remember I said, I can only see things visually. Mm -hmm. So I used to go out and look at everybody. Remember everybody. Who's this? Who's that? Who's this? 
Okay, who's who's that lady over there? I would I would talk to them. Who's that lady? Oh, that's my aunt from England. Oh, that's my uncle from blah blah blah. Oh, those two they just got married. So now I said, okay. So during this show, I'd be like, yo, all the people that know how to eat fish and chips properly, because I know she said her aunt came from England. Uh huh. And I'd be like, oh, please congratulate all the newlyweds. Any newlyweds in here? Well, I already know there's newlyweds because she told me earlier there were these people just got married. So I take the information that I got and you put it back out. And this is the one thing that people fail to understand. Everybody has a talent, but are they using it for their business? Are they using it for their own jobs? Some people fail to do that. And even if they have a talent, they're too scared to go tell their boss, um, I saw you putting out some flyers, but I think I could do something a little better. Mm. Maybe they're a small graphic designer, but they don't want to step on nobody's toes or they're too scared to tell their boss, I can, I can make that flyer better. We so have, what are some techniques that someone can do to step outside their comfort zone? You know what it is? I, I, I actually teach people how to step out their comfort zone by two things. Do something you would never do <laughs> straight up. So I tell you right now, me and you are going to go to a coffee shop mm-hmm. and I, I would look at a coffee shop and say, oh, you know something? See that person over there? Yeah. Do me a favor. When you get back, I need to know what they do, why they're sitting here. Are they meeting a friend? Go do it now. Some people can't even get up and go to have a conversation with people. Yeah. So we go out and we do certain things. Like it's emotional. I make you, you know, we, we go online and we talk about certain things that you've never talked about. And then I show you how you're, you're holding a conversation. So it's, it's about yourself sometimes. I give you simple rules. I want you to get up every morning, look at yourself in the mirror and say your name. Because the way you say your own name gives you your own confidence. Because people don't say, oh, what's your name? Oh, my name is Charles Matthews. No, no, no. What's your name? Hey, how you doing? I'm Charles Matthews. Welcome. Nice to meet you. How do you present yourself gives you your own confidence. That's what people have to remember, that you show your own confidence. You can be shy and change your clothes and everything, but if you don't look at yourself in the mirror and, and, and pump yourself up, like affirmations, that's the key thing is affirmations. Wake up in the morning and say, hey, Today's going to be a good day. I feel confident. And you know something? I'm going to make somebody smile today and I'm going to change somebody's life today. And then go outside. If you can knock off any of those, when you come back home, write yourself in a book. Did you make someone smile? Yes. Did you change someone's life? Yeah, I think so. I gave somebody a tip and they were all happy about it. Okay, yes. Did you say your name properly though? Mm, If you didn't do it, then tomorrow, that's your next goal. This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Sock Season. I have a pair of their unisex essential star quality socks, and man, they are comfortable. They truly are. They they, they come in like weird, funky, cool colors. And I'm not just saying this because they paid me. I'm saying it because I'm a big sock guy, and I hate socks that fall apart after a few washes or they're cheap, or they're they're tight around the toe, or they hurt around the ankle. I've experienced a lot of different socks, and a lot of these companies are cutting corners. I've gotten socks from H&M, different department stores, and quite frankly, I feel like I've gotten beaten a lot of times because I no longer wear the socks. And after a few washes, they either rip, or they shrink, or I lose a pair, or I lose one of the socks. Those two are on me. But sometimes they're warped and they just lose their shape. But the cool thing about Sock Season is Sock Season has a unique 
30-day wash guarantee, which covers socks bought within the first 30 days. Like, if you buy them and they fall apart within the first 30 days, they will replace them. No questions asked. Which is crazy, but that's how much they believe in their socks. So, go to www.socksseason.com. S-O-C-K-S-E-A-S-O-N.com. Use coupon code OFFSTAGE for 25% off your first order and tell them Jordan sent you because every day is sock season. Mm. Wow. People can reach out to you for uh, coaching? Of course they can. You know what I mean? And, you know, they can reach out for me for coaching and stuff because what I realize is that one thing is that my grandmother always told me that everybody has their, a gift from God. Everybody has that gift. It's just grandmother how, sounds very wise, uh, man. That lady, she changed. She, whoo, you don't know how that lady, man. That's <laughs> I want to apologize to all the women out there that we know that we broke up because they didn't match up to my grandmother. <laughs> she knew, bro. <laughs> she knew that ain't gonna work out. <laughs> uh, uh, no, sorry, you gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this, like this this is the thing. This is about it. We're having fun here, but really think about it, man. Mm-hmm. All the times that you have that gut feeling. And here's the other thing I want I want to say. Trust your gut. Okay? You know, sometimes your gut, you have this gut feeling and you're like, "Oh, I don't know if I should do this." Trust me, trust your gut. Okay. The funny thing is, there's something we always have this instinct. Okay. This never fear instinct. When we're kids, you know, kids would jump up on a table and, and jump off. Yeah. And you're like, oh, don't, and they, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know they can break their ankle. They just had no fear. They just went up, jump. It's as we get older, we establish this fear on our own self. Right. You ever put it this way? I don't know if you play scratch and win or Lotterio or anything. Uh, I used to. Okay. You ever got into a store, you're in the line, and you see the ticket that you're going to ask for. And then when you get up, the man says, oh, how can I help you? And he says, yeah, I want to be a, a ticket. And you go, okay. And he pulls a tray out. That three seconds, if you don't grab that ticket, now you're thinking, oh, is it this ticket or is it this ticket? Mm. Oh, man. Oh, you know what I mean? Now your mind changed. The ticket you really wanted? Yeah. Either yeah. A, you don't grab that ticket, or you end up buying three more tickets. <laughs> and they're all losers. <laughs> if you had just gone with your gut instinct and grabbed the one you really want to do. But I think a lot of that it comes from, like you said, like lack of confidence. You know, you're starting to question yourself and doubt yourself. Exactly. Or am I making the right decision? You know, maybe I should, you know, like, so it's just that double take. That's and exactly it. Yeah. Society kind of makes you do that when, you know, the older you get, the more you're like, oh, I can't mess up. You know, my friends are watching. Society's watching. I got a wife now. I can't. I got kids now. You know, I can't, you know, like all these different, you know. But here, here let me let me let me throw it to this. When do why do we start caring? I have no clue. No, seriously. Like I, I honestly, when I was when I was doing it, I was like, when I was afraid of of messing up, I go, wait, why did I start caring? Half these people I don't even know. The other half don't even care or think about you. Right. Like, yeah. Right. So, 
So what difference, what difference does it make if I mess yeah. up? It's liberating when you learn not to care. That's like something I've actively been working at the past couple of like weeks. Just been like learning to actively just move, just push through. Yeah. Stop caring. Just do what I want to do. Create it solely for me. If anybody likes it, that's cool. But I made it so I like it. So, oh, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's and that's that's the one thing I believe that puts me different from the rest. Now I'm trying stuff. Man, I've tried so much stuff, like it's unbelievable. If 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 people if <laughs> if if my wife found out how many stuff I paid for and tried, trust me, this would be a short conversation right now. <laughs> I've tried this, I've tried that. I'm like, why not? Hey, you never know. One of them, it might work. You know what I mean? You just gotta try. Cause at the end oh. of the day, I don't want to go leave and say, mm-hmm. I should have tried that. I should have tried that. Yeah. So I know with with COVID hitting and and you doing like a primarily like a live event company, how have you pivoted your business to uh, continue to make money while still being quarantined? So the funny thing is, I said, okay, sit back. And it took me about, you know, a couple of weeks. And I said, okay, we were under COVID, but our lifestyle of what we used to do hasn't changed. So things still need to be done a certain way. People still want to do certain things. So how can I make it so we can still do what people want by being safe, mm-hmm. still giving them enjoyment and still doing what they have to do? So I just sat back and said, hey, I'm going to do still do events, but I'm going to do events live stream. So I came up with the concept of doing live stream events. And everybody's like, oh, you mean like on Zoom or Google Meet? No, 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 no. I'm talking about full production. I'm talking about DJs, MCs, singers, dancers. We can still we can still do it. You know, full concerts just online streaming. Just full full service still, but online streaming. So, I love it, man. That's that's the future right there. So that's, that's the now actually. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. I've been doing uh to this date, I've actually done 8 of them so far. Four shows and we just finished doing a telethon. Uh, we we went streaming live for seven hours straight, hmm. and we just kept bringing in different entertainers and acts and people coming in and giving people a show, and we had over one thousand people in total for the whole seven hours view our show. Wow! Yeah, you get entertained like a thousand people who probably wouldn't have been watching. You know, just like. That's the funny thing. I bet if we if we did the event, I probably wouldn't have that many people watching. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz now now you're opening it up to the world. Yeah. Because we were internet based. And here's the funny thing about what's happened with COVID. COVID is a terrible thing. But then the other part that I do look at the bright side of it is mm-hmm. I would have never met you. Yeah, that's true. Think about it. We're both sitting in here <laughs> doing our thing, and, you know, we're online doing our shows and stuff like that. But we, you know, podcast to podcast, we, I would have never met you and learn about you. And, and now I know I have, a, I have a friend on the other side of the world. Yeah. You know I mean, Houston, Texas. <laughs> Texas is a hot spot right now. We <laughs> are doing terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but at least, at least I know, hey, listen, if I need, you know, somebody out there, I can call on and say, hey, you okay, my friend? You know what I mean? We just met up. And then there's a, that's a connection. When this, when this is all said and done, 
and I'm out there, you know, dancing like Michael, I know who I can call to be in my tag team. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know who you are. Who are you, Tito or you, Randy or? <laughs> I'm Papa Joe, man. <laughs> <laughs> Get your ass off the stage, Mike. <laughs> See, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I love this. I, I was reading your bio, and it said that you contribute your talents to, to, to charities such as like Sickle Cell of Ontario, and that a large major uh, portion of your uh, bookings go to the Children's Wish Foundation. Uh, why is that mission important to you, and and what about it speaks to you personally? So yeah, we, 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 I, I give up my time. So my time is my money. So that's how I look at it. Right. So, um, sickle cell, um, I work with a company called camp Jamoki right now. Okay. And the reason I work with uh, sickle cell is because, uh, my son has sickle cell disease. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, it changed. You know, here, here's the thing that people have to understand as well. Once you get into a certain company, once you get into business, once you get into anything, mm -hmm. there'll always be blocks in the road. Okay. Things are never going to go smooth. So one minute I'm doing my shows, man, I'm on stage all the time doing great events. Next, you know, I, you know, I get married. I'm so happy. We have a child, like everything is fantastic. And boom, I realized my son has sickle cell disease. Hmm. Now your whole world just went, Irks. Yeah. I'm like, okay, whoa, what does that mean? You know what I mean? So now you got to look at things different in life. Now you got to say, okay, how do I do things differently? What do I need to do? How can I help out? How can I help different people? And then what does this mean to me? You know what I mean? As a father that has a son with sickle cell. Okay, now I got to dive into it. Now I could have been one of those people that says, oh, my son hasn't just been on the sideline. Mm -hmm. Like, I know how I feel. There's got to be other fathers out there that feel the same way. So what people don't understand is that your time is money. So the best way I can help out is give my, my skills to the organization. And the organization is, is key because without this organization, my son is a different child every year. So it's, it's a, basically it's a camp for kids that have sickle cell disease. Hmm. Take them away for either a week or two weeks or even longer and give them experience so they can feel comfortable because, you know, each child needs a nurse 24 seven or they need someone there that knows how to do it. So this camp specializes and make sure that the people that are there, you know, how to handle the kids, if any emergencies or stuff like that, and they take them away. But now these kids feel free wow. for two weeks. They feel like regular kids hanging out with other kids from around the world, doing great things like my son came back and said, oh, yeah, we did kayaking and swimming. And, and, and then when you, when you tell a black woman's child that he was out there in the water kayaking. Oh, no, that's, that's, a, that's a cruising for a bruising right there. You're asking to get your head locked. I know I'm my mom asked. <laughs> but he's like, no, he's like, no, mom, I had a great time. This kid was like battered, bruised, with like, but he had a great time because now he's like a regular kid. Doing things that he can do, not worrying about his disease. Yeah. And that's the key thing. He didn't have to even think about his disease. He was thinking about being a kid, doing great things. And he came back more confident, more secure. Because when you're out there, you're camping. 
it, this is the like this is camp. <laughs> this is no you know easy running water and doing stuff. He did stuff like fishing and camping and doing all this stuff. And so jump on. You know what I mean? This is what people have to understand. Things in life will happen, but you just gotta just tighten the belt. And that's what I had to do. How are you gonna roll with it when the punches come? That's right. Yeah, oh, that was inspiring. So, I mean, my very last question is, is how can the people get in touch with you? I just know it's been a great conversation, but how can the people get in touch with you? Listen, you can go to my email address. It's info at cmjent.com. Um, I love writing emails. I love when people, we can talk one-on-one. You know, write me the email. I always get back to people the best thing. If you want to look at my company, it's cmjent.com. But the best thing is, mm-hmm. tune into the show. Yes. You know, I want you to be my listeners. I want you to be my followers. I actually, to be honest with you, be my guest. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want you to call up and say, Hey, I have a story to tell. And that's what mm. it's about. I just, it's about talking to people that have stories. You know what I mean? You have something to say, let's talk about it. That's what I love. So what kind of topics do you cover on your show? So I, I, I have like uh, three different shows that I do. I do one for black businesses. Uh, I want to help black businesses get recognized, you know, get up, get the word out there. So we do a, we do a live stream face to face one-on-one half an hour show talking about your business and why should people come shop with you, come work with you, you know, come hire you straight up. Uh, another one, I do a straight podcast. It's called um, my brothers where I talk to a hundred strong, strong black men about them. I want people to, you know, they're saying don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. straight up. So me and you talk, they don't get to see us. They just get to listen to us. And at the end, when they go to the site and click, then they get to see what the guy looks like. You know, his whole bio is there. His LinkedIn profile is there, but you get to hear him first. And then my other show is just, it's for everybody. You know, I don't care where you're from or what you're doing. If you have something great to offer, then I talk to you because here's the thing with this world It's funny. And I don't know if I'm old school or what, but the only way that we can survive and move on is the unity. You know, we talk about it all in all. We can't do things by ourselves. Other people can't do things by ourselves. This is a big world. We have to unite. You know what I mean? There's a lot of a lot of things that are going on in our world right now. But we we, we need to just unite. And that's just that's just how I feel. That we need to come together, work it out, see that we're all one, and just and just just go for it. We're all humans first. That, I agree with that. You know what I mean? Like, here's a funny thing. Let, let, let's be real on this, right? I, I always look at it and I joke around it. Everybody's fighting against everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But there's an if this if there was an alien attack, don't you think everybody would join forces real quick? <laughs> I thought that. You know, I thought that. I thought about that like about six six months ago. I thought about that right before the COVID stuff hit. And now that I see that, no, I don't think we would. That's not going to happen. Mm-mm. I do not. I don't believe it. I thought I was like, yeah, we come together. We'd be like, be like the the the, the militias and the, everybody else just fighting together. It's not gonna happen, man. It's not gonna happen. This is I think about. Would we band together to go to fight against the aliens, or would we separate and still be the way we are right now? It would be divide and conquer, man. I think it's too easy because I think with social media, people are too people people love their identities. Mm-hmm. They like 
love their identities. Like if they're like a hardcore liberal, they love to hate like Trump. If you're like a MAGA person, you love it when like something on the the far left, yeah, you know, yeah. Like news. Like you just love it. You just wake up and you open up your phone and you're like, where? How can I hate the left more? These libs are crazy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the thing though, at the end of the day, when no one else is around. The same people that are, are hating, mm-hmm. they will take your help. Like, True. Like, that's the thing about it. When you're one-on-one, when no one else is around, people are different. It's when you're in that group and in that thing, you have to be that, yeah, like you said, oh, yeah, when one person says this way, they're like, yeah, yeah, we all go this way. Why? Why can't you be, the last thing I have to say is, why can't you be that one person that's the difference? You know what I mean? Learn to be the difference. Same thing we said, learn to have that confidence, learn to be the difference. And if everybody would learn to be the difference, I think, I think we got it. Wow. That's a, it's a beautiful note to end the show. Learn to be the difference. This has been another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. Thank you for your time, Charles. Not a problem, buddy. Thank you for listening to Offstage with Jordan Baylor. Now go forth and create.